When I lost everything I worked so hard for was when I discovered the only thing truly worth living for. I'm a therapist and life coach, and for over the past 15 years, I've had the privilege of helping hundreds of thousands of people from over 87 countries succeed in their dating lives, relationships, uh, mental health, and find fulfillment and love. I've been covered in international media, wrote a regular column in the national newspaper, had a national radio show, and for several years, I was really living the high life. But in 2013, I tried to kill myself twice. During my doctoral studies, I was coming out of a separation and divorce, having married young at 24. We were pretty immature and didn't know what it would take to make a marriage work. Uh, pair that with the loss of my conservative religious faith, and I had an early midlife crisis. I thought, as long as I didn't harm anyone else, I was going to have my fun now and not put it off until the afterlife. The problem was I had no clue how to navigate the modern dating scene back then. So uh, luckily I found a few ladies men who showed me the ropes for a few weekends and then I researched the heck out of the thing, uh, backwards engineering success in dating and approached it the way I did my PhD studies. After several months of going out basically full time, I cracked the code so to speak and was thriving in my dating life and uh, even coaching many other men on how to succeed in dating. Well, fast forward several years later, I'd resigned my professorship at the university and grew a successful dating coach practice. I was by that point finding the whole dating and party scene superficial and meaningless. The problem was, even though I'd hacked my way into dating success, I hadn't addressed my core neediness or my deeper insecurities around being enough. I'd developed this persona of a globetrotting playboy partying with VIPs on the red carpet and the whole models and bottles lifestyle, thinking, you know, I'd, I'd made it or that I was somebody, but it was just empty hedonism. The truth is that I simply adopted narcissistic personality patterns to compensate for my core insecurities that I wasn't even consciously aware of. And um, it came to bite me in the butt later when my long-term girlfriend at the time cheated on me while on a girl's vacation overseas and I found out in a devastating way. Back then, my identity was wrapped up in how skilled I was at attracting women. I mean, that was a big part of my job back then. So to be cheated on in such a public way uh, made me feel like I was worthless. Uh, I also felt hopeless because even though I knew how to build myself back up again, I felt like, what's the point? I'd accomplished everything my younger self would have wanted and more, and I still found it all meaningless in the end. So I ended up on the 57th floor of a skyscraper in the middle of the night, working up the courage to jump and just end the pain. Uh, luckily, one of my best friends got alarmed at a goodbye text I sent him and, and he found me uh, there and pulled me off the ledge and um, then he stayed on my couch for a few weeks on suicide alert. A couple months later, uh, some good friends uh, signed me up with them for a nine day motorcycle trip through Northern Vietnam, riding up to the border of China. Now, uh, I had never ridden a motorcycle in my life. In fact, I didn't even know how to drive stick shift. So you can imagine uh, what a disaster this was going to be. But, but the best rider on the trip took me out for uh, like six hours of riding on a dirt trail with no cars around, just showing me how to do figure eights. And uh, then he said, OK, you're ready to ride. <laughs> Uh, what he didn't mention uh, was that Vietnam has the second highest motorcycle fatalities in the world. <laughs> so little did I know that I was putting my life on the line as soon as we got on the road from Hanoi. On the second day, I was going too fast around a blind turn on a mountain road and collided head on with a local on a scooter. 
Uh, luckily, he jumped off his bike before impact, but I took it on the chin and the chest and was knocked out cold. Uh, the, the tattoo on my arm was actually supposed to be on my chest, but the accident tore up the skin there and then it took forever to heal. Um, and that was just the first wake-up call. We were riding seven to eight hours every day. Every couple hours, I had some near brush with death. And I realized that on almost every turn on these mountain roads, which were mostly blind turns, I could get hit by a truck uh, because the trucks overtake both lanes in order to make the turn. Uh, so you had to be ready to hug the mountain wall or get flattened by an oncoming truck. Um, and I realized there was a decent chance I'd get killed by the end of this trip. And even worse, I might take someone down with me. Um, that would be even worse than me dying alone. Uh, so I thought to myself, I didn't want to die by hitting someone else or getting crushed by a truck. If I'm going to die, I want to choose how I'm going to go out. And on the third day, we were carving through these gorgeous limestone karsts, um, these hills high above uh, this deep gorge with rapids way down below. And the sun was setting and it was just breathtakingly beautiful. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to just take off into the sunset and go out just like that? I'd already experienced everything I wanted in life and it was just going to be a lot of hard work clawing my way back to earning back my self-esteem. And I'd already been there anyway and it, it all seemed meaningless and empty. What, more, more money, more achievement, more luxury, more women, more pleasure, more ego gratification, more hard work to earn it? It was all just more of the same and I'd already had all that and it was still meaningless. So on every turn, I was trying to work up the courage to just take off. And I was thinking, okay, now, okay, no, okay, next one, okay, now, okay, no, next one. And now I'm beating myself up for not being courageous enough to end it. Like, come on, man, man up, kill yourself. And then I had this thought, I want to see her grow up. I was thinking of my two-year-old goddaughter at the time, and that was the only thought that kept me going, this intense desire to see her grow up. I didn't even need her to acknowledge me. I just wanted to be able to witness her growing up, even from the outside. That alone was the only reason worth living for. You see, a couple years ago, a good friend of mine became a single mother. But to pay the bills, she had this job that involved uh, shift work. So I agreed to help her out and let her drop her three-month-old baby daughter off at my place for the day. Uh, she'd usually drop her off around 8 a.m. and pick her up around 8 p.m. Some nights she wasn't able to get back in time, so the baby slept overnight at my place. This eventually happened two to three nights a week, so the baby was basically living with me during this time. So you can imagine how disruptive this was for me. I was still living this hard-charging uh, lifestyle of a party guy, um, and I had no idea what I was getting into by agreeing to this. And at first, it was, a, it was actually a, a definite challenge. I did have help from her relatives at the time, but yeah, I was involved with bottle feeding her every day, um, changing diapers, burping her, putting her to sleep, which back then was, that alone was a big accomplishment for me. <laughs> and I got to see her grow up. And this continued for several months until the mom finally got a better job with more flexible hours. And even then I got to babysit uh, at least one day a week. And whenever that day came, I cleared out my whole schedule for her. Uh, no work, no friends, nothing and spending that day with her was the highlight of my week. Like literally, I'd be looking forward to it all week. Here's a picture of me with her back then when she was first staying with me. You can see how dated this is by the Steve Jobs book in my, my at-home hairstyle. I was growing my hair out back then. From the first moment, I got to hold this little girl in my hands. And when I first held her, her entire body was, was no more than the length of my forearm. 
I fell in love with her and without knowing it consciously, I finally felt what it feels like to have unconditional love flowing from you, not needing a single thing in return. She didn't have to love me back. In fact, she could poop on me or spit up on me and it, it wouldn't change a single thing for how I felt for her. And it was the most astonishing thing. And of course, at the time, I didn't understand it. It was only as I was carving around those limestone mountains in northern Vietnam did I come to see that I discovered the only thing that gives life meaning, love, the experience of unconditional love. And I felt myself welling up inside with a new emotion that was overwhelming in its vulnerability. Like I was possessed by it, like a tightening up in my heart area that made me want to cry, but also accompanied by a feeling of filling up with resolve and power, like, like I could accomplish anything, that I could overcome any obstacle in my way. So I carved every corner, now with an urgency to make it home and, and see her again, filled with a, a new lease on life. And we came out of those mountains and rode right into the village as the sun set right in front of us and it was glorious. And here's a photo of me at the dinner that same night. We had plenty of local beer that night. And, uh, and here's a guy who just got a new lease on life. And here's a video I took when I was suicidal. Uh, we had stopped at a viewing platform and you can see some of the gorgeous landscape and the mountain roads that uh, we were carving through. Um, you see these limestone karsts in the gorge. I just biked this. Could you tell I was having suicidal ideation? Probably not, right? I was totally lucid. It felt like a very rational decision to end things, to end the pain. After all, if life was just about achievement, earning more money, more significance, or about more pleasure, more, more babes, more luxury, whatever, um, it is, in fact, meaningless. I really didn't have anything more to live for. I'd experienced everything that I'd hoped for as a kid and, and a lot more. And why not go out surrounded by some good friends in a breathtaking setting? Here's another photo of me from earlier that day. This was just after that head-on collision, and I was already seriously contemplating suicide here too. But luckily, my higher self agreed to babysit my little goddaughter years earlier. And little did I know my higher self was drawing me to my goddaughter as a gateway to encounter my own inner child and to experience unconditional love flowing from me. So if you could go back what would you say to your younger self about this experience? You know, unconditional love is a strange thing for a lot of younger guys, especially single guys. They think of it in terms of loving their ex who abused them, which obviously isn't good or healthy, or um, loving the girl they really like, their crush, and wanting to date her and go all out for her. Um, but I realized looking back that it's impossible for someone to love an intimate partner unconditionally until they love their own vulnerable parts unconditionally. It's actually better to learn how to love unconditionally through an innocent party, like not someone that you're sexually intimate with, um, but someone you would naturally expect nothing from in return, like a newborn baby or, or even a puppy or a pet. So I'd say learn psychotherapy and take the therapeutic process seriously. Before I discovered how to love all the parts of myself unconditionally, I was trying to meet my need for love by achieving significance. I thought, if I can become somebody in the eyes of those I cared about, then I'd finally be worthy of being loved unconditionally. 
Sometimes when we are in deep suffering, we conclude that it'd be worth ending life to end the suffering. This feeling, though it may often seem like disdain for life, isn't that at all. It's a call to reconnect with the exiled parts of ourselves. Underneath the deepest hurt is a beating heart yearning for love. Sometimes the only way forward is through, through the pain to be reborn.